Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Micro Famous Podcast. We are talking about launching a podcast, what matters and what doesn't. And the reason why I'm talking about this today is because there are many things that do not matter when you're launching a podcast, and there are a few key things that really do matter. And uh, it's where people get tripped up, whether you're a coach, consultant, or any kind of expert in your field, and you're wanting to launch a podcast that essentially builds your brand in the market, builds your email list, and eventually gets you ideal clients, right? What are the purpose of launching a podcast? is there if you're in business. Um, but there's a lot of things that trip people up. Uh, sometimes it is conflicting goals. Sometimes, you know, if you're if you're not thinking about a podcast uh, correctly, you might get off and, and stray into other areas. Sometimes it's just getting tripped up over the tech details. But I want to get into the things that really do matter, the things that move the needle, the things that make all the difference in podcasting, and then contrast that with a few things that do not, that you can literally stop worrying about as soon as you listen to this episode. So let's get into number one of what matters. The first thing that matters is having a defined target audience. So you want to shoot for about 10,000 people, some segment of the audience that you can get really, really specific and, and clear to them so that you can deliver a compelling idea. We'll get into that in a second. But first, you want to really define who are the right people that should be listening to this podcast. If you don't understand that, you really can't make any other good decisions, even down to the color of your podcast artwork. And I, and I am serious about that, because if you don't really understand who the right people are, all the decisions that flow from there are going to be potentially wrong and it doesn't give you the idea to really filter through some of the feedback that you're going to get when you're going out and you're asking people for their opinions, which we'll get into in a second. If you don't understand who the right people are, you don't understand who to take feedback from, and you're going to end up taking feedback from all the wrong people. I know many clients, you know, they run things by their friends and their family and, you know, uh, sometimes their own clients, but they're not ideal clients. And they take feedback from all kinds of people and not realizing that those people aren't necessarily their ideal client. If they're not ideal clients, their opinions, yeah, listen to them, hear them out, that's fine, but they may not be the right opinions to listen to and actually act on. So you've got to define who the target audience is. And I would recommend that if you're an up and coming kind of emerging thought leader or a coach or a consultant that's on the rise and you're not super well known yet, don't even shoot for an audience larger than 10,000 people, because what that's going to lead to is a less than clear, less than compelling concept for the show because you're trying to appeal to too many people. In order for a show to get a good foothold, a beachhead traction in the marketplace, you've got to really strongly appeal to a smaller group of people and then break out from there. You know, it's the classic example of a band like Nirvana backing in the day, you know, having this incredible cult following in the Pacific Northwest where they came from, and then they broke out in the mainstream. They didn't start by trying to fill stadiums. They didn't start by trying to create music. If they would have created music that they just wanted to be popular, they would have just made another round of hair metal. What they did is they built their niche, their cult audience first, and then they broke into the mainstream. So when you think about launching a podcast, what really matters is understanding who that defined target audience is. And if you're in the business world, I wouldn't even shoot for an audience larger than 10,000 people at first because you want to get that cult following, then break out. So that's number one, define your target audience. Number two is you want to have a clear and compelling idea for the show. And I want to give you a couple of examples. So one of my favorite clients, a guy named Jeff Cohn, he runs the Team Building Podcast, which we started together back in, I think, 2016. We were doing Google Hangouts live, and then we transferred it and kind of changed it into a podcast and launched the Team Building Podcast. Now, what's really interesting about that show is that that 
podcast gets about 10,000 downloads a month in a market that's of potential clients where there's only about 12 or 15,000 of them in the industry in any given year. There's only 12 to 15,000 in the, I, the pool of ideal clients and he gets 10,000 downloads a month. It's really, really good. So that podcast has a huge market share in that space of his ideal clients. The reason why it broke out in a very competitive landscape, because there's a ton of real estate podcasts, is because he had a completely different idea, a very clear, very compelling idea that only appealed to a smaller group of the real estate professionals, which is team leaders and indie brokers. That's a, that's a smaller segment of that overall real estate audience. Now, it's a growing segment. It's a niche that's growing and it's growing fast and it's growing strong and it has a really good kind of cult following among people who are building teams in the real estate space, but it's not a show for the average agent. It was never was aimed at the average real estate agent. We didn't talk about things that the average agent was interested in. And so it really was specifically tailored to go after a specific type of person. And here was the hook. The host of the show has built a seven-figure real estate business and works one day a week. He actually runs that real estate team in about two hours a week. It's insane. Well, when people got that clear and compelling idea, they're like, holy cow, I've got to listen to the show and figure out how he did this. And that's exactly what the show is about. And it was about interviewing other people who had done something similar or were on their way there, sharing what they learned along the way, building that same, that same business or type of business model. And so it really was a very clear, very, very compelling idea to the right person. Not to everybody, not even to a majority of the market, but to a small segment of the of the population in that space and in that industry, they flipped out over that message and said, holy cow, I've never heard anyone say that before. How in the world did he do that? I've got to figure out how he did that. Let me go listen to the podcast. And they did. As a result, that built a multi six figure coaching, consulting and live events business in just a couple of years. And still to this day, four years after the podcast launched, it still generates, you know, 70 to 80 percent of the leads for the coaching business, 80 percent of their live attendees for the workshops, the live events, all that fun stuff comes from the podcast. So I'll give you another example. So we recently launched a podcast for a consultant. Um, her day job you know, is in OBGYN, but her consulting gig is teaching other female physicians how to negotiate new contracts that pay them what they're worth. And the show is called Simply Worth It. It's got off to a very fast start, You know, already has you know, close to 200 downloads an episode in just the first couple of months with a very, very small list, very engaged Facebook group, and already has something like 35 star reviews. So she's right out of the gate doing really, really well. And the reason that she's doing well is because it's based around that clear and compelling idea, which is that, look, if you don't get paid what you're worth, the, all of medicine is hurt. Better paid physicians deliver better care, better outcomes to the patients. So it's in everyone's best interest for you, the physician, to get paid what you're worth. That is a very clear, very compelling message to physicians who struggle to negotiate what they're truly worth because they're negotiating against these big hospital systems and big practices, things like that. And they're constantly uncomfortable with the idea of negotiating and feeling like they're worth it. So that's why we call the show Simply Worth It. So those are just a couple of examples. When you have the right, clear and compelling idea, you can get off to a fast start. But really what it's about is it's finding that niche cult audience and you can break out of that later, but first you've got to get that cult audience down. So that's number two. You got to get a clear and compelling idea for the show, base it around one idea, not a bunch of ideas, not a grab bag, but one clear and compelling idea that speaks really, really deeply to your defined target audience. 
Now let's talk about the third thing that really matters when it comes to launching podcasts, and that's building buzz through email and social media in the lead up to launching. So what you want to do is you want to use feedback questions to get your audience involved, get your email list involved, ask for their opinions, say, hey, I'm working on launching a new podcast. Here are the title ideas I'm thinking about. Here's the podcast artwork I'm thinking about. Here's the music I'm thinking about for my intro. Uh, here's my actual intro. Is it too short or too long? All those things are opportunities to go to your audience and get that feedback in the lead up. And, and I didn't do this with some of my own podcasts. And what ended up happening was like with Real Estate Uncensored, we changed the podcast artwork, you know, like a, a year into the show. I've done that with Microfamous, change the artwork of the show, change the tagline of the show. Like I'm always playing with and optimizing things, but um, it wasn't until a couple of years ago that I really started to, to work with clients that were doing a really great job on social media of pulling their audience into their decisions. And I saw that in real time and I saw how much people appreciated that sense of ownership that they get from contributing to the decision-making process. And that's really what you want. And then I was reading books like Perennial Seller by Ryan Holiday, which is sitting right over there, rereading it again. And he talks about the same thing. Tim Ferriss, you know, writing specific chapters of his book specifically aimed at certain segments of his hyper niche audience and then getting feedback on everything, the title, the tagline of the book. And he was getting feedback on everything from people through the whole process. He was getting feedback on entire chapters from early reader groups. And that's, that's pretty common in the book author world. But I think in the podcast world, it's such a, uh, it's such a personal thing. A podcast feels like such a personal thing. Like it's our voice. It's our message that sometimes we get very internal and we tend to kind of we, we work on it in secret and we build it and we, we optimize it and we do all these things. And then we present it as this finished thing to the world and say, here it is, go listen. And they go, oh, maybe. Okay, great. And we're not doing a good job of pulling the audience in. So that's one of the things that we work on in our agency is to build a complete four to six week social media buzz plan that runs for the entire length of the, of the pre-launch process. So leading up to the actual launch of the show, continuing into the entire week of the show and then after, we're asking the audience for their opinions. Who should we interview? What tagline do you like? What, what colors do you like? Like all those things, all those opportunities that we can use to get people to give their opinion, we wanna put that out on email and social media and get those people commenting, engaging, giving us feedback and feeling that sense of ownership so that when the podcast does launch, they've had a hand in it. They had a hand in forming what that podcast looked like by the time it was launched. So they're much more likely to go share it. They're much more likely to go listen to it, download multiple episodes and review it if they have that sense of ownership that they were in on the decision-making process. So those are the three things that I feel like really matter in a podcast launch. Defining your target audience, coming up with a razor sharp, clear, very, very compelling idea that speaks deeply to that target audience, and then getting them involved in the decision-making process, which in turn builds buzz for the launch of the show. Now, let's turn our attention to a few things that don't matter that you can stop worrying about and never ever worry again for your podcast launch. Number one is how many episodes you launch with. Now, back in the day when uh, the number of downloads of a new podcast was heavily weighted, it made sense to launch with eight episodes or 10 or 15, whatever, because if you can get people to subscribe to the show and download a bunch of episodes all at one time, it would make the numbers it basically goosed the numbers and made a new podcast look bigger than it really was because you were just releasing a ton of episodes at one time. That has kind of shifted as Apple has focused more on the number of subscribers. So people, it now no longer matters so much how many episodes you put out. 
Although you may find you want to put out, you know, some episodes uh, and drop a chunk of them at a time, and that's fine if you feel like that nurtures your audience better. But really, it's about how many people can you get to hit that subscribe button when you first launch. And so that's why in the first, you know, several months after we launch a podcast for our clients, we drive all of their calls to action to Apple Podcasts. We'll mention it's there on Spotify for the people that are on Android devices, but what we want is we want as many people as possible going to Apple Podcasts and hitting the subscribe button because that's what actually gives us the best chance to reach people consistently, get reviews and ratings on the show, and potentially chart and get showed and recommended by Apple alongside other similar podcasts so we can reach a bigger audience. So what doesn't matter is how many episodes you launch with. If you have a pipeline, great, but the other things are way more important than that. So number two is how expensive your setup is. You know, I was just having a conversation with a client the other day, uh, thinking about upgrading to like a professional recording studio. And I'm like, well, that's great, but you're also upgrading the complexity and you have to be willing to deal with the learning curve of that. You know, if you're gonna upgrade your microphone to like a pro quality studio microphone that you see Joe Rogan using, then you have to also be in a studio environment like Joe Rogan is. The one uh, goes with the other hand in hand. And so if you are, typically our clients are business coaches, consultants, speaker, author types, and sometimes they're in their uh, office, you know, they might have a physical office. Obviously right now, a lot of us are stuck in home offices, but if you're like me and you have a home office that is all hardwood floors and, uh, and, and walls and cabinets and stuff like that, uh, it would take a lot to soundproof this area where I want to be so that it sounds good with a amazing, you know, thousand dollar studio microphone because studio microphones are made to be in the studio. That's what they are. A microphone like this, even though it's inexpensive, it only picks up what's right in front of it. And so I can have this microphone anywhere. I could even go do a podcast episode from my car or from a random hotel room that I'm in, which, which happens, you know, the more we travel. And so if you're, uh, if you're wondering if you need to have an expensive setup, the answer is no microphone technique is that and having just a good microphone that picks up only what is in, what's in front of it is actually way more important and it's much less expensive and you can get a microphone like this one that is very user friendly and doesn't have a lot of options to play with meaning there's a lot less opportunity for error complexity inevitably produces errors so the more pro gear that you buy the higher quality of the environment you need and the steeper the learning curve and the more complexity causes the potential for mistakes which can ruin a potentially great interview and you don't want that to happen so keep it simple especially when you're starting out as you go on if you decide to upgrade your setup like i didn't used to have a really nice camera uh, and i found a very simple way to run that into zoom so that i can get amazing camera quality without a huge elaborate setup uh, maybe someday i'll have like a teleprompter so i can you know see things you know see my text and look people in the eye at the same time so just you can always build up and gradually add more expensive things but i wouldn't worry about it in the launch of the podcast having a good solid mic having good microphone technique where you can have it right in front of you and you're not so much worried about how it looks on camera. That's way more important because people care about consistent audio rather than they care about having it absolutely pristine NPR quality. Consider this, Tim Ferriss, as far as I know, still is like this, but a couple of years ago when he broke down his podcast gear, he was using the same microphone I have over there on my keyboard. It's a Shure SM58. It's a $100 mic that musicians use on stage. And he said, because when he goes out into the field, he needs something that's rock solid, reliable. So Tim Ferriss has tens of millions of downloads on his podcast and uses a $100 microphone. So if he can do it, so can you. Number three of the things you don't matter, you know, you don't need to worry about in your podcast launch is charting, especially right away. And especially if you're a niche business expert, you know, we talked about going after an audience of about 10,000 people. You know, if you uh, are going after a niche audience like that, 
Look, if you get a business podcast to the point where it's doing 150 to 200 downloads per episode, you're already at average. Already 150 to 200 downloads per episode. That's already at average. You know, if you have an email list of let's say 5,000 people and you have access to you know another five to 10, maybe 15,000 people on social media, you should get there within a few months if you have your defined audience uh, and you have a clear and compelling idea that speaks deeply to them. You'll get there, and at that point, whether whether you continue to grow from there depends on how big that audience is, how much you get shared by word of mouth, whether you're running you know ads to grow your email list. It depends on a whole lot of stuff. Theoretically, your podcast should continue to grow organically, but none of that has anything to do with chart position. <laughs> uh, I, I do. I find it amusing when people in the business world obsess over chart position because it's such an ego game because uh it doesn't really affect how many people buy from you and at the end of the day that's the only thing that really matters is it generating sales is it generating roi you know you're putting time you're putting energy and you're putting cash into running a podcast is it coming back to you at five or ten times the rate and if not something is wrong so that is what to me defines success, not chart position. So when I look at any of the podcasts that I've done, you know, Real Estate Uncensored has a million and a half downloads. Uh, we consistently hit, you know, the top, what you know, the top list, top ten, you know, the top twenty real estate podcasts you should listen to. You know, we consistently make those lists. You know, sometimes the rankings fluctuate. I don't even really pay attention to our chart position. But when I go and look at real estate podcasts, we're always somewhere on that list. Um, and typically other, pe other people in the space consistently name us as one of the best quality podcasts to listen to in terms of content, even if, it, even if it's different from the chart position. Uh, and I know behind the scenes that our downloads just keep chugging along, right? We keep getting tens and tens and tens of thousands of views and downloads uh, every month on audio and video, regardless of what the chart position is. And so to me, that's where I'd rather be focused rather than trying to chart right away or even paying attention to chart positions at all. Focus on the content, focus on the people, focus on having a clear and compelling idea for the show, focus on your audience and building buzz and getting feedback. All those things that matter will actually go a lot further to moving the needle and making your podcast launch successful and making the actual podcast itself successful over the long run. Because remember, launching a podcast is a sprint and a lot of time and energy goes into it. There's a lot of moving parts. Uh, I mean, obviously my agency takes care of a lot of the, the backend stuff, but even just you know mental and emotional energy that goes into a, a podcast launch, it's a lot because it's, it's very personal. You know, there's a lot of pressure that you put on yourself to have a good launch. And I would say if you can, if you can set some of that on the back burner and say, look, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Yes, we're going to launch the podcast. Yes, it's a sprint. It's a short-term project. It has a defined end date. The podcast will launch on this date. But if it doesn't have a crazy, insane launch, that doesn't mean that anything is necessarily wrong. And it doesn't mean that a year or two from, you know, from now that you won't be looking back and going, man, what was I worried about? Because the podcast just kept growing and growing. And now it's the foundation of my entire marketing plan. It's where most of my leads come from. And it didn't matter at all whether what our chart position was when we first launched. It didn't matter at all what the downloads were when we first launched because we just kept progressively going and adding and our audience base grew every single month, you know, for a year or two. That's that's what typically happens with a lot of business shows. And so what you want to do is in the launch, focus on what really matters. Focus on the audience, focus on the coming up with the right clear and compelling idea 
and focus on getting the audience involved in the decision-making process. Don't worry about how many episodes you launch with. Don't worry about having you know a pro studio that you can record in. And don't worry about charting and chart position as you go into your launch or even, you know, I would say within the first six months of launching a show, don't worry about your chart position. Um, because unless you're launching a show for a mass audience, you might not ever show up in the chart positions while your podcast brings you six or seven figures in revenue a year. And I would rather have that. Uh, there's a lot of people that I know that have millions of downloads on their podcast that can't get people to buy anything from them to save their life. Uh, I would rather be the person that makes six or seven figures from my podcast than someone that has a chart ranking podcast, uh, you know, a top ranking charted podcast that I can't get anybody down to buy something from me. So focus on the things that matter. Ignore everything else. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you're thinking about launching a podcast, obviously reach out to us. That's what we do for coaches, consultants, and experts. So if that's you and you want to work with an agency to launch the podcast for you, that's what we do. So hit us up. But beyond that, just focus on the things that matter. There's so much noise. It's hard sometimes to find the signal. And that's why it's it's nice to listen to something like this, where I've launched a whole bunch of podcasts. I've been through everything. I've been through that launch process a million times, and I've seen what matters and what doesn't. And if you can focus on the things that matter, you'll end up with a higher quality show that really can be the foundation of your marketing plan for the next five, 10 years or longer. And that's what I would love to see for every coach or consultant, especially if you're on the introverted side like I am. So with that being said, go check out our service. I hope to see you launching a podcast soon, and we'll see you on the next episode of Micro Famous.